The Online Marketing Cabin is brought to you by Impside, Europe's biggest WordPress agency. If you run a website or online shop or are in need of a WordPress or WooCommerce plugin, Impside is your go-to agency for solutions on an enterprise scale. Hi, Annabelle. Thank you for being in the show. How are you and what keeps you busy these days? Hi, Marcus. Thanks for having me. So I'm doing great, actually. I'm very excited. It's the first days of spring, at least here in Berlin. We get sunshine. And that was really, you know, it was a tough, <laughs> it was a tough winter. We've talked about this before. Uh, I have a small child and it was a very, 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 very sick winter. Uh, so hopefully spring is going to kind of sweep all that, sweep all that away and we get to enjoy the sunshine. What keeps me busy these days? I mean, a lot of things. My daughter keeps me busy, uh, but also, of course, um, Ionos and marketing at Ionos keeps me busy. Um, I would say generally from a marketing perspective, since we want to talk about marketing today, um, it's a couple of topics, you know, that um, that I'm kind of mulling over at the moment. Uh, for sure, the overarching topic is optimization. Like, how can we optimize? How can we become better? How can we drive efficiencies? That's like an ongoing thing all the time. Um, what could, you know, optimal customer journeys look like, better customer journeys look like, uh, et cetera. Um, crafting exciting stories. So storytelling overall, I, I, my background is very much in the comms scene. So PR, journalism, communications. So I'm always a big fan of brands trying to be brave and trying to do storytelling right anyways. Um, and figuring really out how we can do that, how we can tell those stories, how we help our customers level up their online businesses. Um, personalization is a big topic, but I think we'll get into that later as well. Personalization at scale. How is that possible? Is that sensible? All those fun things. Um, and then on a more, you know, B2B-ish, different sales channel side, uh, leveling up our account-based marketing. So those are kind of like the big the big topics at the moment. Um, and of course, like everyone, you know, thinking about what is AI going to do with us and what are we going to do with AI in the future? And I think from like a, from like a more personal development side, it's, you know, I, I manage a bunch of teams. Um, I'm really trying to figure out, you know, how I can further develop as a people leader and how I can optimize there. So that's a never ending journey as well. Wow. Amazing. Um, it's such an honor and pleasure to have you here. You have a lot on your plate. Um, you are a very well-rounded marketing generalist having uh, experience in, in marketing, PR, uh, leadership. And uh, it's amazing actually where you are at the stage of your career at the moment as VP of uh, VP of communications and product marketing, if that is correct, uh, at Ionos. So we will go in all of the topics you've mentioned uh, in a couple of minutes. Before that, I would like to learn more about you as a person. Um, and therefore, we play a game called Two Truths, One Lie, where you can present... Uh, Three little facts about yourself, and by the episode, I will guess which one is the lie, and maybe our listeners uh, at home or wherever they are listening to this podcast can also play that little game with us and guess what is the lie. So, uh, have you prepared three little facts about yourself? 
I have. And let's see if I have a poker face. Yes. <laughs> okay. Number one, truth or lie. I actually don't start reading a fiction book if it's not part of at least a series of three. Mm-hmm. Number two, I can actually recite the entire script of the Rocky Horror Picture Show from memory. And number three, I was the face and voice of Microsoft Germany on social media in 2009 when I was only 23. Okay, thank you very much for them. Um, I don't know yet which one is Vilay. Um, they can all be true, I have to say, because they all fit in what I know about you, even though we only know a little bit yet. But let's see if you leave some cues for us uh, during the episode. So, um, yeah, again, it's amazing to have you here. I very can relate to the bad weather in Berlin. This year is really not starting Uh, and kids keeps us busy. I'm a father of two. So yeah, let's don't talk about that. And the challenge to record a podcast in the home office is uh, incredibly big uh, to find uh, not only a date and place in our full packed calendars, but also when we have some peace at home. Um, but we've made it. Um, so it's a real pleasure to have you here. Maybe uh, introduce yourself and what you're doing at the moment at Ionos. What is Ionos and how your personal career put you where you are today? All right. So, um, I mean, a, a big question in general, but um, so let me start with Ionos. So Ionos, and now is the marketing, marketing pitch, uh, we're Europe's leading SMB digitalization partner and trusted cloud enabler. So What does that mean? Um, everything that you need to be, uh, need to have to be successful online, you can get with us. So our products range from uh, domains up to website do-it-yourself, website building services. Um, we're uh, one of the biggest fans of WordPress out there, uh, up to servers, and then of course cloud infrastructure. So literally everything that as a business you need to like level up, be successful online. That's what we're there for. Um, and what do I do at Ionos? So I'm, as you mentioned, the head of communications and product marketing, which I know in, um, it, it doesn't seem to be a combination in a lot of co companies that you kind of run across that kind of is put together. But I like to say that it makes sense, at least for my department, because um, we're the ones that really think about and try to kind of orchestrate the organization um, And think about those topics of who do we talk to? What are our audiences? Um, what do we want to communicate? And that really very broadly spans all the channels that we have. What do we want to communicate? And uh, which channels and where do we want to communicate that? So really like this, this strategic over, overlaying uh, structure. And... Um, the teams that currently report into me and that I get to work with. So one is product marketing, partner marketing, field marketing, and so, so country-based marketing, um, then uh, event and community relations and evangelism. I'm excited especially about this team because we just founded it a little while ago and it's like a big step, uh, you know, towards uh, being even more open and dedicated to our open source communities that we engage with, uh, PR, social media. 
Um, and then I also have uh, a cool position within my team. It's kind of like an individual contributor, a lead strategist, super cool, and a senior content strategist position. So it's very much, and you'll probably find this now in our conversation, my day, because you're like, what am I doing all day? Like, what does my day look like? Is very much thinking on a, on a highly strategic level, like how are we moving our marketing? How are we moving our business along? How are we structuring our marketing organization? How are we structuring resources? Like what are the big topics, the big trends that we need to drive? And then figuring out how we can actually operationalize that and how we can drive that change, that idea, that project, that, that vision throughout the organization. Um, I have a fantastic boss, Arthur, our CMO, and he's very much <laughs> on track with all of that and wonderful colleagues, head of online marketing, our, our head of brand. Um, and we're like a really nice team that kind of really uh, drives these topics. Mm. And if you want, I can just <laughs> I can just keep going because I think you also said like uh, what what did my background look like? Like, how did I get to where where I am today? Um and it is a very, very fun role to have because it's it's a role with a lot of impact and a lot of shaping power. And that's kind of what what I'm very into, spending my day trying to have impact on people or on organizations or, uh, of course, ultimately on the bottom line of, of the company as well. Um, I actually have a background in comms. So comm communications, I studied communication sciences in Munich, um, and that was a fun time. And then I was a PR trainee at Microsoft in Germany. So that one... That already is a little cute. Truth or a lie. Yeah. Exactly. Could be, but I could have done something How old have you been there? there? I was 23 when You're I started at Microsoft. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I was 23. Um, I mean, the thing about a good lie, right, is that it's not very far from the truth. Generally speaking, <laughs> that, that's very smart uh, from yes. you to say. Uh, that's uh, a little trap I yes. step into in every episode. I'm incredibly bad at guessing the, the, the lies. And <laughs> okay, let's see. So, yeah, I'll I will see. keep it in mind. <laughs> we'll see. I so Microsoft did uh, PR for them, um, and then actually uh, was there for a few years at PR comms. Um, moved into digital marketing. Then I was with a, um, a tech PR agency for a little while, and then I moved to Dublin, because, you know, Silicon Docs, as they call them, European Silicon Valley. Um, and then I founded my own communications agency for, had that for five years. And now, um, right two weeks before Corona, before the lockdown, I joined Ionos, and now I'm in this position. So it seems, when I talk about it, it seems like not a whole lot of different steps in between. But of course, you know, when you have your own agency, as you guys know, you work with a ton of clients working at Microsoft, always like, you know, a year felt like maybe 10 years in other companies. So <laughs> that time has been filled like with a lot of life and, <laughs> and a lot of fun projects and a lot of fun people. Yeah, uh, that's correct. It's not about like the years, like an agency years, maybe like a dog year or something like that. Exactly uh, that. And it's how about you fill the time. And if you are working in a fast paced environment and on various different projects, you gain a lot of experience. Um, and I think it's necessary for you in that position where you are, you're working very on a, on a higher level 
uh, on strategy topics and on transformational topics and mm -hmm. have a lot of responsibility in, in leadership and orchestrating a lot of teams within an enterprise which is maybe having complicated internal politics or strategic decisions because there are a lot of stakeholders that of course want to throw their uh, opinions and and stakes into strategic or project decisions yes uh, and all of that has to be aligned so um i introduced you as a generalist and i think that's perfect for the role Uh, you have and and for for the level you're you're flying on so um it's super interesting and it's a lot actually on your table so um <laughs> what is your approach to leadership and to get all these teams or or to yeah even have time to communicate lead these teams be part of the decisions and what they're doing what's your approach to leadership so I, I, I don't have a completely fixed answer for this. I mean, the, the catch-all is, oh, yeah, I'm a fan of situational leadership, right? Whatever the situation requires, like you have a crisis, you have to be very strict and managed through because that's, you know, you, you might have the experience or you have the gut feeling here based on your experience to say, okay, bam, 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 this is what we're doing. And then people look to you for to be like the strong leadership figure, um, but then other people might just want like a hands-off approach because they're fantastic at whatever and the, the, the timing doesn't necessarily require that you kind of lead through um, like that. But it's, it's an ever-evolving concept, I would say, and it's something that um, I, tr I try to evolve here, right? And I, I have this Last week when I was in a, in a midnight uh, TikTok scrolling session, and I know you're not supposed to say you're actually using TikTok still with all the things that are going on, and especially the U.S. debate, but I, I like the platform. But uh, I was in a late night scrolling session, and I found this, um, this one video, and it was this a workplace drama researcher called Cy Wakeman, and she's from Omaha, Nebraska, and she's a mom, and she has like four sons and then four stepsons and like this whole thing and she seemed like she knew what she was talking about she seemed like like someone's like okay let's listen to her and she has this um theory and i think she's by the way i looked into her like a best-selling author and has like five books out now and very much like a marketing machinery around it and it's this idea of reality-based leadership so the the main thing that she says is did you know that like most workplaces two and a half hours out of every day are spent per person on just this workplace drama on like just talking about things that are not working or talking like getting annoyed at colleagues or just sitting there and moaning and bickering and whining about things and I was like oh yeah I know that <laughs> I've encountered this before and that you as a manager a lot of times people will come into one-on-ones with you and that's their time to then be like okay now I'm just gonna rant 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 right And, and we, I think we've all heard about this concept of emotional detractors and like emotional, I don't know what the, like people that give you energy, like energy detractors and energy givers, basically. And she said, you know, the, it's, it's not very much about like toxic positivity. Everything has to be perfect all the time and you have to be super optimistic all the time. It's about like seeing and realizing reality very quickly then moving on from that into like, what are we actually going to do about it? Like, how are we going to live with the reality that we have and trying to get 
your people and your teams and an organization at large to kind of accept realities, like circle of influence wise, what can you change? If you can't change it, then you're going to have to try to excel in that, in that scenario. And so I saw a TikTok, I heard a podcast about her, and then I like read some articles. I'm not super into the the, the theories like into her books yet, but I'm planning to. And that's kind of like a super interesting approach to, to leadership, right? Reality-based leadership sounds, sounds amazing. So very long-winded answer. I'm sorry, but I think it's, I think that's an idea worth sharing kind of with a it, lot of people. It's also a nice example of a customer journey starting on TikTok, then yes. going over long form content on the blog and purchasing the books and implementing it. Yes. Maybe you book a training in, in, uh, or workshops in the future. I can see that potentially happen. Um, <laughs> but no worries. I liked about your answer specifically that you said it's an ever-evolving system. Um, I heard a similar quote on... Um, time optimization and productivity tips where sometimes experts or systems are explained like this is the number one solution you have to implement this uh, you just have to get up at 5 a.m and then bang in your hours before everyone else comes into the office and do your project be first yada yada but the bottom line was like every optimization you do on productivity, on time tracking, or maybe on leadership is only temporary because it fits certain situations and it will come the time where it's not suitable anymore. For example, productivity tip, just get up at four or 5 a.m. and do the hard work first is not suitable when you become a parent. You can do that if you're single in your 20s and every, everything you have is your work or your university, you can do that. As soon as you have other responsibilities, it's not working anymore. And I think with a leadership style, it's also smart to accept that we as leaders or seniors have oftentimes to work with incomplete information and with very fast changing situations where we cannot say, okay, I'm going into the office on Wednesday. Uh, my reality is maybe a complete different than it was on Tuesday. So I cannot apply the same the same principles of leadership and I have to react. Um, somehow we have to manage, and you pointed that out, to be that strong personality that is like the rock in the storm and has some consistency, but that is based maybe on the principles you have as a person um, and not so much on certain, yeah, I don't know, tricks we have uh in, in leadership or so so your answer uh very well resonated with me and is uh, i'm still processing bits and pieces of it um yeah i like that very much um you have a very you have a role that is very much connected to transformation in your process and i think it's a very um unique role in the i bet you're like the first person that owns that title and has that unique combination because you said it's kind of Unco uncommon in that combination um oftentimes when people get these kind of things it's a hope for the company to to break up borders between departments and and to force some transformation or innovation in the company um is that something you like to work with i would say um that's the number one thing that's been like really the common thread in my entire career so far is to the, the, the ambition 
to transform organizations or the ambition to at least play a big part here and like really leave an impact. I mean, when people talk about, you know, and I say this a lot, it's like, like, what makes you happy? I'm like creating an impact. And of course, I've talked to my therapist about this uh, a bunch of times. Like, it's it's uh, a little bit of a narcissistic thing also to say, of course, like, I want to like leave my legacy. But I guess most of the people that are in my position or your position, like, like leadership positions, they have this ambition that they can, you know, not just do um, uh, work from A to B or, you know, push papers around, but that you actually impart some of you and some of your smarts and some of your your character into what you're doing and trying to positively shape and like leave an impact, leave a legacy some somehow. So it's a something that I know it's not uh, completely um, just for for external factors. I'm very aware of my internal factors here as well. But it's it it's such a it's such a um, such a crazy big challenge to work with people, and that in general we all know this, right? To actually then figure out like what wh- how does this person tick? What's this person do? Like how do I weave my way around the office? And I think for that, like if you're good at or striving to be like a lateral leader, and we know that doesn't have to have anything to do with authority, or it doesn't have to. It's not necessarily position. It's more the mindset and the character and kind of that comes with the territory there. But but then kind of taking that a, a step up and saying, okay, how can you actually, when there's a time of crisis or when there's a vision or when there, when you think the organization needs to kind of evolve and move to a different destination, like how do you then get people on board? I mean, how do you then get them excited? And not everything has to be change comms. Like that's a big word, right? Oh, we're going to have a change. <laughs> There's plenty of those. I think change is constant because when you evolve, then um, it, it comes with the territory, right? You don't get any better if you don't, if you're not open to change. But a lot of those things that I'm talking about where I'm like, we're transforming organizations, I wouldn't necessarily declare them as change comms or change projects because it's, some of it is evolving, kind of setting the right, setting the right pin on the map here, getting the right people in place in certain roles, kind of, you know, it's, it's very much, I don't know, it's not a game of chess, but it's very much, I don't know, maybe it's like a Dungeons and Dragons campaign or something. It's like you kind of have to think around the corner and you kind of have to make sure that you have a lot of moving pieces that kind of always go in the same direction. And that's a really, really, really cool challenge to have, you know, on an ongoing basis. How do you how do you think about that? A lot, because there was uh, uh, so much dense information into it. So first of all, like very correct what you said about like it's not not everything is a change project or should need to be a change project because like it's it's an evolution process in a in a company that you just evolve over time and every day is the possibility to make something better or to shape new processes or do new things and you should iterate really on a regular basis and not wait until it's too late. Um, for us as a web agency, it's oftentimes um, back in the days you had that with websites where people launched a new website then did nothing on it for five years and then search for new agencies and say, well, we have that website, we want to relaunch. 
and they are in this relaunch cycle because you build something, then don't care about it for a couple of years and then wait until it's deprecated completely and start all over new. And I think that is something in these modern days where we have that higher productivity on people because they have more tools available. We have all information uh, in the web available that we need. Communication is so fast. It is um, really important for companies to have an evolution process uh, on a regular basis to shape business. Um, your Dungeons, Dungeons and Dragons example uh, was also quite good. I mean, for you as a managing person, you have to communicate and be a good communicator and have empathy and lead people to put them in the position where the company is fitting most and where it's also good for, fit for the teams and for people to achieve goals and likewise achieve goals for the company. So to create win-win situations, if that is a word I can still use in 2023, I don't know, but you know what I mean. And one thing I want to point out in particular, in the introduction you said um, you're going, you're working on optimization mm -hmm. um, of customer journeys and communication and stuff like that. But I see that is some really big, um, big thing for you also on the company level. So not only optimization of processes within your direct response, but also optimization of the whole company you're in and optimization of your team. And yourself, like having that intra-perspective on ourselves and what are my things, I do good, I do bad, what are my motivators, where I have character um, threats. Is it, is no, it the flaws. Correct? Character Ca flaws. Character yeah. flaws. Or... I mean, sure, there are also character threats, to be honest. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> yeah, yeah, flaws or, or things that maybe influence me from the past, which... Yeah influence also business decisions that's that's something where i sometimes ask myself also like why ha why do i have an op this opinion strong or weak or neutral or whatever on a certain thing in my business life coming originally from something that is just a personal thing for myself maybe from a childhood thing or someone said to me years ago and that is something um a very reflective person uh, can figure out and use to its advantage yes That's, i'm so happy you're saying that there's not a whole lot of people that actually bring that out there but i i fully agree when i had my daughter i i don't know if i told you this story but i anyway before um when I had my daughter and then she, like she came out in the first few days and I looked at her and she was like this little baby. And I said a, a phrase and I was like, where did that phrase come from? It's like, oh, you know, I don't know. She was crying and I was like, oh, is the world so bad? Is it all so bad? Not meaning it in a, and I was like, where did this come from? This is just really weird. My mom came to visit two weeks later and exactly the same thing. And she, she, with exactly the same inflection, I was like, man, we really are shaved. <laughs> like very deep down and so I actually did I when I was on maternity leave I said let's use that time and I went to online therapy and I like set this all up and I wanted to figure out exactly that what are my what are the beliefs that I hold what are the you know and traumas might be like a bit too far but 
how does that shape the person I am? And originally, when I was talking to her, my therapist, I was like, I just want to be a better, you know, mom. I want to don't want to give all this stuff to my kid. But then I started going back to work and I kept doing my sessions. And then it turned into not, you know, how am I parenting my daughter? It turned into, oh, yeah, work this week was really tough and this and that happened. And she's like, oh, well, how do you think that might relate to what we've been talking about? I'm like, oh, there you go. And it's been massively helpful uh, to deal, to just kind of sit back and have then this meta level of how you think about the situations or while a situation is happening, uh, kind of sitting back and I was like, okay, what might be going on with them and having more empathy and you know, oh, they probably didn't go to therapy. <laughs> they probably haven't resolved their issues yet or haven't, you know, at least been reflective of their issues. Okay, take a step back. Don't take it personal, you know, all these types of things. Or even um, creating behavior that's more healthy for me. I tend to then, as you said, I'm a generalist, which means, and I love like lateral, like I, I like taking responsibility too. So I raise my hand all the time. It's not necessarily the most healthy thing for my work-life balance, but then being reflective of that and saying, okay, well, you know what? I don't have to go into everything. just have to find the right inflection points where I think they're going to have the biggest impact. That's wonderful. Yeah. Same for me. Uh, you have not told me the story with your daughter before, but I recognize the same when I got my first kid. It was like uh, really changing the perspective uh, on, on words and communication and recognizing things I do or say and wondering what is where's that coming from and then visit the, the visits of my mother it's mm -hmm. like okay um right now there. I know and uh, yeah <laughs> um I think especially as managers or people that are working in on a on a strategic level in corporations we all do good in having some some mentorship or coaching or external perspectives on us uh, i think in the german area where where i have some insights rarely people does it and i does not i'm still looking for where where can i good get a good coach or some some feedback on a regular basis that coaches me into directions which i can utilize i saw some people on linkedin actually lately Uh, speaking about that, especially in women's circle or something like that, where where they have more awareness on pushing themselves and and optimizing themselves to yeah to to become better actually. Um, but I think we we still have a very long way to go um, to also have offers of that. I wouldn't even know where to go. Uh, to Google it is a good hint from you. Ask. Yeah. And I and I can uh, give you also a, probably a few names like of people that I know that are doing this kind of coaching, which you're right. It's much more prevalent. It seems to be much more prevalent in like the female circles when you talk about female leadership, maybe because, you know, there's also this gender disparity. Females have to work twice as hard to get to the same positions and all that. And even though I I don't know if I really subscribe to that for my experience, like I know it's the truth out there. That that is the reality out there. So it might be that that's why there's more women, you know, offering that, helping women out there. But it's been very, very helpful. And what you just said about you know the words, um, how how careful we should be with the words. That also then leads us back to marketing, <laughs> and this topic of I don't know what your experience is here, but I found with 
ChatGPT and AI, and I know everyone's talking about it, but don't you feel that your, um, the other way around, as a communicator, I used to think every single word spoken is so important or every word written in Mark is so important. Like you have to really get every single nuance right because it is going to make a difference, especially when you think about the brand overall and the experience that you give customers and like the inflection here and there. And that's also a really, really, really interesting thing now because using ChatGPT, I'm like, oh, you know, it also works if the machine does it. Like it, some of the communication, some of the formats are totally, don't have to be like this high up. They can just be functional and kind of nice, but they, they can, they work this way. And so it's kind of a devaluation of the word <laughs> and of the nuance and of, you know, the skills that you bring as a marketer. But on the other hand, that's then where the differentiation, like in a year from now, where the differentiation is really going to come in and where you can be unique and have that perspective is how you as a brand or how you as a marketer use these tools, but then infuse that humanness back in and infuse that tonality back in. It's, it's, it's very, I mean, and, and then it ties back to the you know, everything. It, it's just, yeah, as you can see, those are the kinds of like high level topics I'm trying to figure out or at least trying to spend my day figuring out with everything is connected um with, with ai i think we have that in nearly every episode so ai is just touching every topic we can think about in marketing and communications uh, in the future um i think it's i was really surprised by the quality of putting words together by chat gpt like um it was you, you just give a short prompt and the quality of grammar and the overall sound is very fluent and already higher than, let's say, bad writers, mm -hmm. which you maybe have. And it was like, wow, I can, <laughs> I can get that result in that short period of time. But in the end of the day, like you say, it's very genetic, uh, generic, and you can use it for things that are not uh, very sophisticated. Like if you write a short copy, if you write a hero, if you write your key brand message, you have to have that genius writer that knows every nuance of every word. And there are geniuses out there that put stuff together, which are so deep and have simple messages, but working on these couple of simple words and putting them together takes a lot of time and thoughts and strategic thinking. So that is something that I cannot do. And that will be the differentiator. Using it for use cases where it doesn't matter so much and where this may be okay to um, have it just functional, but putting the extra effort in um, where it's necessary. And we talked about that before, like personalization of things. Um, and there's a thing... Now everyone has access to cheap API, uh, cheap AI to create to create content, to create messaging, to do the marketing jobs. But how we will use it for personalization is key because we can personalize more. But if we personalize it with AI, maybe it's not personal anymore. And exactly. then the effect is not there. Maybe you have an opinion on personalization. I, I do. So I, um, I exactly, that's... Exactly what you just said is, I think, very much, very much the case. So 
if we're looking down, you know, the next years, if we have the option to really easily personalize everything, I mean, that's the marketer's dream, right? So I, um, the second that this company or this platform has enough information about me, I get this totally personalized experience. I don't see stuff that doesn't interest me. I exactly know the triggers uh, that we can pull. And then we kind of give people the super tailored to them, to their current situation, to their current state of mind, give this super tailored customer experience, marketing journey, get them on the platform, get them to sign up, get them to buy the product. And then that just continues because, you know, you're going to have your own very personalized one-on-one relationship with a customer. I think for the first time with AI, that might be possible. I mean, with all the tools out there and the, you know, we're in, <laughs> we're a cloud company. So, I mean, with the, with the um, power needed, to, I mean, we have the power needed basically to kind of power a structure like that. But, but then when you think about how do you actively smartly do this and still, and not make it just random and just meh and just like, okay, every company can now do this. And every company can kind of say the same five things. And then of course you could feed the model with your brand and your tonality. And that's also fine. You can do that. But, but, but really that human, like how do you put that humanity back in and that human intelligence and this, the funniness of it or the spark of it or the endearingness of it. And I think that's where then like this whole debate of like audience centricity and personas versus like uh, it's also like personas versus like jobs to be done. And there's this big trend at the moment. Okay, we only need jobs to be done versus we, you know, need to invest in personas. Personas are too fragmented. And that's been going on for the last few, you know, months, years and kind of cooking up and down a little bit. And my, you know, spoiler opinion is personas are going to be much more important now than ever with all that's happening because we need to put that empathy back into marketing or we need to ensure that empathy for the person on the other side of the screen, but like real human empathy, kind of put that back into the processes and into the communication that we're doing versus just looking at, you know, what's the thing that they want to achieve? What's the thing this person wants to achieve? Because that gets super transactional, super fast. For some products, like if I want to buy tissues or like FMC, like, okay, sure. I mean, you don't necessarily need to invest into like a single individualized customer journey like Annabelle. Are you feeling sniffly today? You know, here's your personalized uh, um, packet of of tissues. Um, But for products that are, that impact your business, products that cost a little more, products that are uh, subscription based and like, you know, have a a bigger emotional, um, you know, barrier to overcome anyway to kind of interact with a company for that. And, and all the stuff that we sell, everything is, is, is basically there to help you be successful with your business online and your, your business, that's like your baby, right? That's, that's your, that's the most important thing that you have probably online in an online context. So to, to really shape that, um, I think that's the, that's the discussion right now where I think personas are going to be one of the answers uh, that are going to help us really use AI and the opportunities wisely. Mm. And that is something you're you're specifically working on uh, at the moment or thinking about how that could happen in the future for your company. 
Yeah. So we at Iona, I mean, we've always had, we've been around for 25 years, right? So we've always had personas, especially when you look at product development, right? It's a staple of who do we develop the products for, et cetera. But we've had them in marketing as well. We've had them in the various different, I mean, you as a marketer also know this, you know, personas come, personas go. They kind of, you know, there's a project, you create it, you then put it in a, in a drawer and then no one looks at it maybe for the next two years. And it's like, Annabelle comes along and it's like, mm, shouldn't we do personas? It's so what we've done, and that's also kind of why uh, it made sense to put together the communications and product marketing together is to say we're, we're, we see success shifting from a super product centered marketing approach towards an audience centered marketing approach and all that comes with it. So core audiences and then you, you, you know, content marketing, all the channels that, you know, are the output of that. But of course, to do an audience centered approach, you really have to step up your persona game. It's not just like, oh, we're creating a campaign for this product and we think, you know, Hans from Dortmund is going to find that interesting, but you really have to dig into the research. And it's not so much of a gut feeling of this person, but really updating the research and, and having these interviews and talking to people and doing surveys and and getting that up to the next level and then testing that out. And of course, all our marketing comms um, and then rolling that back out into the company, into product development, into all these things, kind of like an up and down reverse process. It's never going to be done, of course, right? Um, audiences are evolving. People are evolving. The world is evolving. So there's going to be different things. But what I re find really interesting really is this, you have a persona approach and then we have a, a few people within the company, within marketing and say, oh, aren't jobs to be done enough? There's this other construct of jobs to be done where you kind of leave out a lot of the attitude and a lot of the um, emotional empathy aspects of the customer that you're selling to. And you're like, you're grouping them all into this big group of, you know, yeah, sure, a developer needs a domain, but also like a baker around the corner needs a domain. Everyone needs a domain. So that's the use case, like that's the job to be done. Provide them with a domain, easy peasy. And for domains, it might be enough. Okay, sure, right? It's, huh? But then you get into other use cases and you're like, oh, but like a person that wants a website built and you'll feel this and they're like an architectural office, they have a whole vast other, you know, set of needs and, and um, decision matrix and need to be approached differently than just someone who also needs a website built, but is, comes from a totally different angle and they're a job to be done. I need my website built. Isn't just, just isn't going to cut it. And then if you put that include jobs to be done in a smart persona profile, and then you have a set of personas that you test, 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 test to see, because my, to see, uh, you know, what works, what doesn't work. Um, and then you eventually down the line combine that with smart AI models and you feed those AI models. And then you combine that with the human aspect of your smart marketers that kind of put the strategy and the, the right inflection points and the humanity back into the process. I, for my, that is, that could be mind blowing, right? That could be really, really cool. And not just from a marketing perspective, but also from a customer experience perspective, because you get better marketing and you're not annoyed by marketing as much. And you kind of get, um, 
I got just a, a great customer experience overall, which is ultimately what we want, right? We don't want, don't want to do marketing just to do marketing. But then, and that was kind of my thought right here, is I, I very much also believe you probably don't need 50 personas <laughs> or, or, or 20, which is when you really get down to it and you're like, oh, we have, I don't know, seven audiences. And for each audience, you know, there's these sub-personas. And that's the test we're doing this year kind of in marketing is to say how many actually make sense and where does it actually make a difference? Because, like I said, my, my assumption is for domains, it's probably not going to matter that much or for tissues or for whatever. It's not going to matter that much. There, it's more like you as the brand have to stand for a value. You have to have a good, good price. You have to, you know, provide a good product because the entry barrier is so low to buy a domain, it's not going to matter that much. And to really figure out when we're talking then to the pro audiences and we're trying to sell servers or cloud infrastructure and these big products, that's when it's going to really matter. That's when, when the intelligence then comes in and it's going to make all the difference. So that's my... <laughs> Amazing. Thank you and, very much on that insight. Um, I think every everyone who has at least worked one day in marketing can relate to the fact that personas are usually lying around somewhere in the shelf like yes we have a we have a big persona study back then back there you can grab it and read it it's 80 pages powerpoint um but it's not applied in content production or in, in production of uh, communication overall because no one knows how to apply that information um, in, in, in to communication, that is something you mentioned. Maybe we have in the future the first time ever where AI helps us to incorporate that uh, complex information way more efficient because, um, um, yeah, we just have assistance to it. Um, and I think what is key is optimization of the of the personas you mentioned that you have to have a feedback loop iterations on it see if the information is really useful to it how you can update the profiles and um, enhance them maybe throw them away if you see we don't need that persona or we don't need it for that particular product but not killing the whole project of personas um, but only particular things which you don't need um, that sounds super interesting, and I hope you have success with it. And Thank you. can can report us <laughs> uh, on it. How is it going? Um, it's an ongoing topic for me personally too. I recently liked approach of jobs to be done because it's just um, you can focus more on solutions you have or on products and think like, okay, we we just solve that problem, and that makes the whole thought process about the persona obsolete for me and i just can focus solution based or think solution based product based which is way more easy for me in sales and marketing um but in the end of the day we are all communicating and acting with people that have way more uh deepness um to their characters or personas um that's an incredibly deep topic. So if we, uh, if you make progress on that, uh, you're definitely 
going to be invited into the <laughs> online marketing cabin to talk about your results here and how, how you have done that and created a persona system, which is AI-driven and creates customized and personalized um, customer journeys for your audience. Um, very, very interesting topic. We are nearly by the end of the episode, Annabelle, and we still have not discovered your lie. Um, would should you I please, yeah, read should them you, again. would you please read them again? All what right. are your two truths and one lie? So, number one, I don't start reading a fiction book if it's not part of a series of at least three. Number two, I can recite the entire script of the Rocky Horror Picture Show from memory. And number three, I was the face and the voice of Microsoft Germany on social media in 2009 when I was only 23. Okay, let's begin by the first. It resonates with me. Uh, I'm a big fan of uh, a fiction series and it, they have to have multiple books. There's nothing worse than really loving a novel and then you have to wait years for the next book. And uh, with you being very focused on optimization and having being a very structured and goal-oriented person, I think that is true. You only read fiction if it has free uh, books, at least. I should I should uh, like yeah. reveal it at the end, right? Yes, um, yes, maybe. Your, so yeah. the second one was. The Rocky Horror Picture Show. Rocky Horror I don't know Picture if you've Show. seen it. It's no, I think it's not that popular here in oh. in, in in Germany. Oh, Where? actually, actually, it's uh, in Munich. Um, yeah. They have uh, the the longest running weekly showing of the Rocky Horror Picture Show in history in the world mm -hmm. in a movie theater in Munich every Friday night for the and past they, probably now thirty five years. And it's in in the original. Mm -hmm. So it's in English, and you can replicate that because when you see it as a kid, uh, you, you have the U.S. So I'm half background. American, half yes. German, yes. But actually, it's... Uh, so the Rocky Horror Picture Show, I'm sure a lot of people listening now will know this, but for you, the Rocky Horror Picture Show is this movie about alien transvestites that are visiting you know, the UK and then Brad and Janet and they stumble upon this on a stormy night and then stumble upon this house and this party. And then it's just like this whole thing. And it's a musical. Um, and it's, but it's, it's a cult musical. Like there's, mm -hmm. there's musicals on the West end. They're touring all around the world and then the movie. And, um, I'm, and I've seen it a lot of times, let's say, but do I know it by heart? That's the question. I liked how you phrased, a lot of people probably know it, but for you, Marcus, because you know nothing about music, <laughs> I because did you said like Rocky Horror Picture Show is not prominent in Germany. Okay, it okay, is, okay, actually, okay. Yeah. Um, I see that I, um, uh, I attacked your musical loving heart <laughs> with, that, uh, with that statement. So I think it could be true, but not the whole Rocky Horror Picture Show. You maybe know ninety percent of the, the script, all right? Because like it's a long show, probably. It's a yeah, ninety ninety minute movie, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and okay, the third then. one was it's I'm the I was the face and voice of Microsoft Germany 
as we know, I work there, mm-hmm. um, on social media in 2009 when I was only 23. Would Microsoft allow me to do that? That's the question, right? Yeah, it was 2009. I mean, for for everyone who's not <laughs> approaching 30s, uh, for their 40s, like we do in the near future or not so near future, um, I think Facebook went live in Germany in 2007. So the, the 2000s, everything before 2010, what happened in social media, even in big companies, was like <laughs> having apprentices, <laughs> having interns, and it's like, well, yeah, there's this, here's this Facebook and Twitter thing. Please create mm-hmm. an account. Can you do something? Mm-hmm. Um, because everyone here in the company is old and we have no one. And I mean, the job content manager, social media manager, was not invented back then. It was figuring things out. Mm -hmm. uh, And the professionalization of that area came like in the last decade. Like everything from 2010 on was still pretty early. Like the last 10 years, it really took off. So we think things are granted or have been like this forever, but it's actually um, not that old. So yes, I think that's true. That's pretty true. And I think the lie is that you know the entire script of a Rocky Horror Show. And now everyone will say, who's listening to this podcast, Marcus, why are you so bad at these games? <laughs> because I never, no. never spot the lie. Actually, let me let me reveal the truth. Yes, You're please. absolutely right. Yay! You're absolutely time. right. You're absolutely right. So absolutely... I don't start reading fantasy series or fiction series. I love fantasy, you know, like, but urban fantasy novels, which means, like, not necessarily, I mean, also fantasy novels, like the old fantasy novels. But really, if there's not, like, a series out of at least three, I don't start reading because I just want to kind of dive into a world and then stay in that world for some time. Um, And I think that's also something that marketers, you know, we really should do more of world building with our marketing in general and kind of stick to longer term um, narratives and longer term campaigns. That's as an aside. I used to know the entire script of the Rocky Horror Picture Show by heart. I don't anymore. And um, but when I watch the movie, which hasn't happened in a while, but I generally can say every word if like I watch the movie and that's. The the fun thing about the Rocky Horror Picture Show is when you go to the movie theaters, that's the thing. That's the cultish thing. Everyone comes dressed up. You, like, mm-hmm. dress up, you know, in, like, corsets and, like, fishnets and high heels and red lipstick. And then you dance to the songs and you, you say it out loud and you, like, throw toilet paper and throw rice at the wedding scene. So it's, like, this whole big thing. And I used to know it by heart. And, and yes, I was the face and the voice of Microsoft, like in Germany and exactly it, like you said. So I was very lucky that even a big company like Microsoft was like, sure, you think social media is important, go ahead and do it. And so I got to start Microsoft Germany's Twitter channel, I think within my first two weeks in that position. Mm -hmm. And then I was, uh, you know, I was their social reporter on YouTube doing like YouTube uh, influencery, YouTube stuff way back when. And eventually, after my traineeship, they created the position of social media lead for me, which was the first of its kind in uh, the Microsoft universe. So you're exactly right. Amazing story. Um, 
Thank you for being our guest today here in this little cabin, Annabelle. It really was a pleasure um, and it was so insightful what you told us. It will definitely work uh, in, in my brain for a while and I will um, have to reflect on that. Uh, what I hear, heard about from you today. Thank you for being our guest. Thank you, Marcus. The Online Marketing Cabin is brought to you by Impside, Europe's biggest WordPress agency. If you run a website or online shop or are in need of a WordPress or WooCommerce plugin, Impside is your go-to agency for solutions on an enterprise scale.